Shane Ritchie, a.k.a. Alfie Moon, joins us on the How To Be 60 podcast this week, and he is as frank and forthright as you would expect. I do find myself thinking, oh, God, that's what my dad would have done. What a knob. That's not you, Shane. That's not you. And I'm wondering how to be 60. It's scaring the shit out of me. Everyone, does that sound wanky? It's a wee bit, does it? Why are you... Yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> she she really was wanky, told to be yeah. quiet. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, that didn't sound wanky, by the way. <laughs> At least we're in agreement. I think I'm going to like him. <laughs> I was trying to be kind of a bit down with the kids. Hey. It's not you know, good when you're 60. No, not going to try that. No. Listen, do you know what? I am going to throw our usual format out of the window because there's no way Shane Rich is going to keep quiet for 10 minutes, is he? I'll try. But yeah, I mean, but... <laughs> I, I'm listening to you ladies blather on and I'm happy, you know, if you're talking shit, I'm going to jump in. But I'm happy <laughs> to sit and listen to see what you've got to say. If we're talking shit, then you might, might as well yeah. just be a three-way conversation then. Yeah. But you're putting pressure on us now, Shane. No, no, pressure is on you now because I don't do podcasts and this is kind of like... <gasps> You're setting a precedent now. Oh. So this will likely be the make or break whether I do another podcast. Oh. Well, listen, to be honest, you're lucky to be in this podcast, Shane, because it's called How To Be 60 and you're not even there yet. No, damn right I'm not. No, we're <laughs> going to be picking up on that a hell of a lot, okay, because I'm just 50 la-la. The fact that I can see the neon sign How To Be 60 behind you, that hurts. Is that a dagger in your heart? You oh, could learn a lot, just, honey. That just... <laughs> hurts just seeing well, the big six on it's funny though be honest Shane because I actually messaged you I don't know a few months ago I said oh would you go I think you were doing panto at the time and your yeah. immediate response was I'm 60 that's right I was no <laughs> still and I'm 60. still doing panto you know <laughs> I'm still clinging on I mean how <laughs> when I do panto as well now we have to look at the scripts and go really am I still going to be Buttons or Dick Whittington or Aladdin and playing these characters so that means we've got to find a leading lady who's going to be in her 40s. Even then, I still look old. And obviously, Panto's not aimed at the age group, so we have to rewrite the stories. Me and Brian Connolly talk about it all the time now, how we, we just have to adapt, you know. On stage, though, I've got to be honest, girls, on stage, I don't look 60. No, you- That's probably because <laughs> I'm dressed like a twat. That's probably why. <laughs> have you been told you don't look 60? Yeah, ma- yeah, thank you. Yeah. What helps as well, I think, what, what is keeping me young? Because we're on a roll now. We, yeah, so we, we are. We're just going that. with it, Shane. Yeah. Um, I, as you know, Kyle, I have a young wife who's like 15 years younger than me. I think if I didn't have a young family, I'd have a very different outlook now. I, You know, even just this weekend gone, I've been quad biking with my 17-year-old, uh, whose birth just turned 17, and then went and did the Saw experience, the escape room oh, in yes. London. Which was fantastic. Now, I, I, I wouldn't have done that had my 17-year-old gone, Dad, can we go and do this? I think I'd have just sat in front of the television watching the football and vegetated. But I think having a young family keeps me mobile, keeps me moving. I've got a daughter who's about to be 15 who's going on 22. So I can keep tabs on that. I've got my 11-year-old daughter who's about to become 12 next week. So I just think that that's keeping me quiet. Young. It sounds like a cliche, but it really is. But it's, I mean, it's fun, isn't it? And it's interesting you say that because you've got the, the kids that are younger that you still want yeah. fun. 
Um, and in fact, one of the things that I was going to talk about before you completely ruined the format of the, the podcast, Shane, was it? <laughs> <laughs> about, go with a song. Go on. Yeah, yeah, go on. It was whether or not we're still kind of thrill seekers, you know, things like skiing, bungee jumping, fun fairs. And I know you've just come back from uh, one of the sort of theme parks. You don't see like people with grey hair and their sandwich mm. box on roller coasters. I love a roller coaster. Oh my God, I love it. Yes, I still love a roller coaster. It's the exhilarating. You Lord, with your grey hair and your specs sitting on a roller coaster. (laughs) (laughs) Chicken fish. When's the last time you were on one? (laughs) Well, I've got to say, I took my my in laws with me, Christy's mum and dad, Phil and Jackie, who are both in their mid 70s. And they really are thrill seekers. Uh, They've they've turned that corner there where now they're going, I think this summer they're going to trek across Europe either in a motorhome or just jump on a train. Uh, and it's taken me a long time to talk them into it. I used to say to them for a long time, I said, guys, come on, you're retired. Time to get out there and, and, and just live life. And they've just recently come back from Canada. They're in Niagara Falls. They've been out to New York. Uh, they came out to us and said to Orlando with us. And they were, the, they were front of the queue. Yeah. Front of the queue. I, I think it, that they have this air of fearlessness about them now, and I think it's not caring. I think you get to a point where you don't care. I'm not quite there yet. I can see it in the in the distance, but I'm not there yet. Well, hold that thought. I, I'm going to sneak in there <laughs> because while Shane pauses for breath, are you ready for the email of the yeah. week? Good. This is from Geraldine, who is just 53. Young. And she, we're talking about adventures there with Shane. Geraldine is walking from Glasgow to Rome this oh month. God. She says, it's my walk, my rules. And I'll wow. have friends and strangers, not yet friends, joining me as they wish along the way. It'll take me around six months to complete. Uh, I'm making up the route as I go along. I'm not having a backpack. I'm taking a three-wheeled buggy that converts to a trailer. Uh, I'm taking my tent. Uh, I'm not going over the Alps, she says. Instead, I'm going to go south to the coast and I'm going to follow it round past Nice, back into oh Italy and that way. That's amazing. Trailing a trailer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Wow. Uh, and Geraldine says, I came up with this idea five or six years ago and I wouldn't do it uh, while my mum, who had dementia, was still oh. with us. But she died age 93, the what? day after my 53rd birthday last uh-huh. year. Uh, which has obviously inspired this. Yeah. So she said, I just wanted to let you know, and it might just inspire others. Well, if I'm successful, she said in brackets, of course you'll be successful. Well, do you know what, Geraldine, before we even set off, you have been successful. I know. You know. That is some... It's a huge leap. Expedition, isn't it? It's a huge leap of faith. God, no, I I would absolutely say go travelling. God, it's just such a brilliant experience. Listen, we we, we better go speak to Shane soon because he's holding his breath and I think he's going to expire. (laughs) We'll speak to him after this. When you said there, Shane, right, I'm not there yet. Where are you right now then at 58 and a half? Oh, (laughs) oh, oh, you know. Every so often, Kat, I get reminded, because of what I do for a living, certainly in musical theatre, i found in the last three or four years, there's been jobs that have come up where I know I've been right for it, whereas, you know, whether I sing, dance, as an actor in musical theatre, but it's a couple of jobs that have reminded me, and I don't want to mention because 
there's, there's one that's about to open now, uh, where they've gone, oh, Shane, you'd have been great at this 10 years ago. And that hurts. How does it hurt? You know, like, wh- what hurts? Because I, I know physically I can still do it. And I know I can. Funny enough, I've just finished, I, I did a show called Everybody's Talking About Jamie, mm. where I played a drag queen. I didn't have to do much in that physically. It was just getting changed twice a day sometimes in the West End and getting in and out of drag costume. That felt like hard work. The actual performing wasn't. Uh, so I managed to pull that off. I did because um, I'm back in EastEnders now. Yeah, we knew that. <laughs> right. So I'm going to tell you something now what happened recently. So Alfie's working behind the butt bar line. Now, back in the day when I first started as Alfie Moon, which is 21 years ago, right, 2002, and I would do scenes where if there was a fight in the Queen, I would leap over the bar. <laughs> Not a problem <laughs> leaping over the bar. I did a scene, here's an exclusive for you, about, must have been three months ago, and there was a fight breaks out in the Queen's League. And I said to the director, I said, listen, do you mind, if, you know, instead of me walking around, because Alfie used to jump over the bar, do you <laughs> mind if I, they went, Shane, you go for it. It looked great on camera. You jump over. It nearly took me two days to go over the bar. <laughs> we had to cut. They've said, could cut. I went, Shane, we thought you were going to clear the bar. In my head, I was going to clear the bar. It was one of those things where I had to get one leg up first, <laughs> followed by God. the other leg, and climb over like oh, I was in the children's no. playground. And so I kind of resigned myself to the fact, oh, my God, in my head, in my head, I can still do this. But my knees are going, screw you, Richie. We ain't going anywhere. (laughs) Does that make you aware of your mortality? Because your persona is wrapped up in being the cheeky, chappy, loads of energy, you know, always on, always on. But there's got to be another side to you. That there's always lots of other sides to people. Yeah. And as you get older, you maybe get a bit more reflective. In fact, I saw this on your Instagram, uh, Shane, and I was intrigued. I wanted to ask you about it. Yeah. You, you, you put this up there. The older you get, the quieter you become. Life humbles you so deeply as you age, you realize how much nonsense you've wasted time on. Yeah. It's like I've, I've learned not to sweat the small stuff anymore. You know, you've probably heard this many times, you know, doing the podcast you do. The road behind me is much longer than the road ahead right now. So I've learned to care less. And that doesn't mean I couldn't care less. It means I care less about stuff. You know, I, 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 like I said, going back to that job I lost. Now, I, did, I didn't cry myself to sleep. I, I just resigned myself to the fact Oh, okay. I need to keep moving forward. I, I, I find I tend to look back less and less now because no one really cares. I'm done faking it. That's, I think, what I meant by what I may have said in that Instagram. I'm done faking it. And I'm done caring what people think of me. I'm done caring about what people say about me anymore. Like I said, I'm stopped sweating the small stuff. Did you come out of the womb singing and dancing? Don't think so. No, I am. Um, I. Um, you don't come from a performance background, do you? No, not at all. No, quite the My mum was a cleaner. My dad was a bin man. Uh, I come from a big Irish family. Uh, my mum's not that much older than me. 
Uh, and my dad used to run working men's clubs, uh, Irish clubs in London. So from a very early age, from the age of eight, I have early, I have early memories of getting up calling bingo. But that was just, it, fe- it felt the norm. My dad, like I said, run working men's clubs. So I remember the weekend seeing Irish bands and comedians and drag queens. And, uh, and then for a long time, uh, I, wanted to, I, was, I wanted to be an actor. Um, even though I loved performing, you know, I did the whole school play stuff. I enjoyed school plays. I enjoyed showing off, but it was, it was, I, I never for one minute ever thought about being famous. I just thought, wow, I think I can make a living from this. Uh, and then I've become a professional actor at the age of 14. Funny enough, where I went to school in London, my, I went to a place called Wilsden High, which unfortunately doesn't exist anymore. And I used to get up go to register at school and the school had a deal with the local theater, the Moonshine Youth Theater. So I would go to register and then I would run to the theater. The theater would then ring the school and say he's arrived. And I would spend my days working with a local professional theater company where they would go off on tour. But before they did, I'd help them rehearse. I'd make them cups of tea. I'd staple the scripts. I'd help paint the sets. Then they would leave. And I would just spend all my days in the theater. And then I became a professional actor. I toured at the age of 15 with a theatre company, and it was TIE, Theatre and Education. And then I was out of work as an actor. I should have been at school. And I saw a job at a holiday camp. And this is where it gets messy. I auditioned at 15. You should have been 18. And I got a job in 1980 working at Ponson's Pakefield. (laughs) My mum had to forge my birth certificate. I didn't have a passport forged my birth certificate. So it went from 64 to 62. And then you could do it with an ink pen. And then where I should have been doing my exams at school, I was working at a holiday camp pretending I was 18. God. And then I did that for a summer season. And instead of going back to being an actor, I met this agent who said, listen, what, um, there's this talk that's going to be going around with drag queens and strippers. Do you want to be part of it? And that's when I first met Paul O'Grady. Bless him, he's sadly no longer with us. I went to Liverpool and he was one of the drag queens. And I worked with Paul for a few years before, you know, it was very early days of Living Savage. So I was touring the country, 18, 19, strippers and drag queens, doing stand-up comedy. Can you imagine, you think of your kids now, you've got kids all around that age. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. Oh, my God. It's scary now when I think Mackenzie's 17, just turned 17. He wouldn't even know his way to a bus stop right now. You know, and we, me and Christy talk about this all the time. You know, I'd left home at 14, 15. I'd gone at 15. God, that's what my mum must have thought about me leaving home. Bless her. But, you know, it was much different times there. I know we, we hark on about it. It was much different times. It's funny, isn't it? And I used to, believe it or not, hitchhike from Aviemore down to Glasgow to see a concert. And my mum would put me down, run me down to the bottom of the road, sit me there and say, I'll come back and check if you're still there at one o'clock and if you are, I'll bring you some soup. And and I remember How her... How old were you then? 15, 16. Yeah. And uh, her saying, and if at all possible, get into a lorry, it's safer. Wow. Yeah. I, my I was, God. I used, to, I used I to constantly hitchhike. I was always hitchhiking. This is way before the M25, obviously, when I lived in London, you know, and I'd well, when I worked, like I said, in Patefield, and if I wanted to come home the weekend, I would just find my way to the M11 and stick my thumb out. Where did that confidence and that level of independence come from? I mean, 
you know, you could say it was because you were, you know, you're young, you think you're immortal and you just, I don't know, where, where does it come from? Do think it was just in you? No, I, I, I know my, I, I was never very close to my dad. Um, my dad comes from a big Romany Sicilian gypsy family. That was his background. So I suppose there was a bit of that in me. I wanted away from my dad. From an early age, he was, he, was a, he was a drunk, he was abusive physically, verbally. And, I, and that one of the, you know, my real name is Shane Roach. And that's what my parents, and I changed my name to Shane Skywalker when I was 15, 16. I don't know why I changed it to Skywalker. I just didn't want to be called Roach. And then Richie happened when I was 17 or 18, when I was working in Spain, purely by accident. I think it was, I used Roachie, Shane Roachie. And the, the, the compere said, Please are welcome, Ashana Richie. <laughs> oh, I keep Richie. So no, he was very abusive with that. So I wanted away from that very early. And where we lived for a long time, uh, we lived in a women's refuge. My mum went there with me and my brother. Like I said, my dad would turn up occasionally. But my mum my ended up running uh, the women's refuge, uh, which was run by the council. And we had the top flat. Uh, so me and my brother and my mum, we all shared one bedroom. And so my dad occasionally. But all the other rooms were taken up by families that would turn up at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, the police, and it was a beautiful women. And I would see it all the time, girls. Uh, predominantly Asian and Irish families. I remember as a 10, 11-year-old seeing these kids arrive and the police would turn up. They'd call my mum down and they'd say, oh, Lily, can you look after these for the next couple of days? And then they take statements from the police and I'd meet the children who'd be there for two or three days. And after two or three days, you'd see this drunk man come knocking, begging for forgiveness at the front door, whether he was Irish or Asian. And then ultimately the woman was forgiven. Then I'd see him back there three months later. So constantly I see this turnaround of, of abusiveness. And, and I grew up in this kind of household. But the flip side of that was I loved being around children because I was a child. So I always knew I wanted to be around big families. So, of course, when I met Colleen, the big family there, and now I've got a big family. But I wanted out of that. I wanted out of Halston. What did you think of your dad? I loathed him. Even now, you know, I mean, we made our peace. He died in my arms, funny enough, and that's when he died. It was kind of, there, was, there was something very sweet about it because he kind of wanted to tell me what he wanted to say, and I told him how I felt about him and... And we kind of cleared the air. So the whole thing come full circle. It was a strange time in my life then. But we kind of closed the door. There was not much love lost between us. He, was, he thought I was gay for a long time. And he, my dad was quite homophobic and racist. And he honestly, because and, and, I used to come back from the theatre, I was a big fan of David Bowie, and I used to come back from the theatre with eyeliner on and makeup. That's what you did in the theatre. You put makeup on. And the, the director of that particular theatre when I was 13, 14, was a, the, the, the director was a gay guy called um, uh, I think Michael, Paul Vaughan Phillips or Michael Vaughan Phillips, who sadly uh, we lost him to the AIDS epidemic in the 80s. And he just took me under his wing and said, you know, if you want to do this, you've got to take it seriously. You've got to study being an actor and just stay focused. And the lady that looked after me, a lovely lady called Liz Armour, who, funny enough, when I did the one show, she come and surprise me. She's a lesbian and then her and her wife. And my dad knows the fact that I was, he was, um, I said he, for a long time, he was a builder and, and a bin man. And he wanted me to work on building sites. That was the whole thing about being a man. And I just fought against it. 
And my mum was always on my side, bless her, always on my side, and just could not understand. And it wasn't until I did, many years later, I did Life on the Palladium, and I remember going around to the house. This was way before I was Alfie Wing as well, years before I was Alfie Wing. And he kind of like backed down a little bit. And listen, he took me to do Life in the Playdom. And then when I become Alfie Moon, things had changed. He was quite proud of me then. But it was still always, why don't you get a proper job? There was still a little bit of that. And there was, a, there was, a, there was an arrogance about him that maybe his life didn't turn out the way he wanted it to be because he, he wanted to be a professional boxer. And it didn't happen because he had children when he was very young and had to leave Ireland. How does that impact you though and as a young man when you're forming your personality you're trying to work out what kind of man you want to be and you've got your dad who's this kind of guy you've got this desire to get out to be part of the theater you've got all sort of different influences um did he impact the guy that you turned out to be or or not or did you fight against that not at all i i got into a relationship obviously myself and colleen we were babies when we got together and we become parents when we were very young and that was first and foremost my job was a father and a husband. Now, I'm not sure I was a great husband, but oh, I, I, I'm pretty sure I was a good dad. Um, I think Kalina would probably admit that. Well, I was a shit husband. Um, but I think I was a good dad. And by then, I'd seen my parents get old. And I'd cut, and, you know, I, I'd, like I said, I'd left home at 15 and cut all ties. The one regret I do have was leaving my brother behind. That was Dean. He was four years younger than me. So when I left at 15, he was only 11. And he kind of got the brunt of it. And I still have regrets. We don't have the relationship I wish we had. I probably talk to him once, twice a year. Yeah, of course, we still each other, love each other. We're brothers. But we don't have the relationship we should have. And, and that I do regret. I have a great relationship with my mum. She's since moved on. She still lives in um, Wembley. She runs a, a B&B for mad Irishmen who come over here to work on the roads. <laughs> uh, so she does that. She's still very close to Kalinga's. Great. Uh, she has a great relationship with all the grandkids. Um, but no, I, I, I wouldn't let my, you, you know, so there's a couple of traits I did have which I think I got from my dad, and I went to counselling to try and sort them out, and that was like a bit of a fiery temper. If things didn't go the way I wanted them to go, I'd lose my shit really quickly, and I knew I needed to nip that in the bud. And I'm constantly working on that. But like I said, you know, we're back to being close to 60, and that stuff I used to worry about back then, I, you know, if I could talk to my younger self now and go, oh, Shane, don't worry, it will sort itself out. And you haven't got to worry about it. But it is scary at that age because, you know, of course we take things from our parents. You'll have taken things from uh, your, your mum as well and, and the environment that you grew up in. And if you do have a relationship, as you described with your dad, that you really don't want to be that person. Often people do have this thing, Christ, I hope I don't have this genetic imprint. I know. That I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be him even if I don't want to be him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I do, I do. I promise you, Kate, there'll be days where I'll look in the mirror and I can see me because I like to think I'm an eternal optimist and I try and sometimes fight against my glass being half empty as opposed to half full. And 
And Christy's great. And she will point it out to me. And it might just be a look from her. And I'll palm my hand and go, right, I know what you're saying. I know what you're doing. And I will snap out of it. Uh, and I do think about it a lot. I do find myself, you know, thinking, oh, God, that's what my dad would have done. What a knob. Come on, snap out of it. That's not you, Shane. That's not you. And then I kind of understand why my dad was the way he was, maybe. You know, he, he, he was constantly angry. He liked to drink. He was an angry drunk. Thankfully, I'm not. Mm. You know, I don't drink anymore. If I do, I'll have, you know, half a lager. But no, I knocked that on the head. So are you the man you would have wanted to have been? Nearly. Mm. I, you know, I, I, I think you still got to keep trying, you know. I'm not frightened of crying anymore. God, she's Christy can sit and watch telly and stare at each other and start crying. I have no problem crying in front of the kids. Them sort of things don't they don't worry me anymore. You know, showing emotions. I think I've learned to let go of a lot. You've talked about being a good dad. You also talked about being a shit husband. Why were you yeah. such a shit husband? What happened? I had to make a living. Colleen had got pregnant. Very long after we were together, she gave up work, and which was there was a decision we both came to, and there was only one way to earn a living, and that was me to get on the road. And being an actor didn't pay the bills, it really didn't. So my other strength was stand up comedy. So I was constantly on the road. I would, you know, I was bombing over to the states. I did a tour of America, come back. You know, I was doing a lot of the army bases up and you know around. I went to the Falklands three times. South America, Germany, just, you know, I would do random stuff that would take me away a lot of the time. If, if a job had come up that had kept me in London, I'd, you know, had I been lucky enough to land EastEnders back then, maybe things would have turned out different. You know, when Greece happened, uh, Colleen went back on the road and she went back out and so that kept us apart. You know, we both had separate lives. She had sisters, I had my friends, and then your circle of friends become very different, which then means you start having less in common. And that happens. And for a long time, I thought it was just my industry where it happened in. But it wasn't until I caught up with friends who weren't in my industry. I went, oh my God, what do you mean you divorced? How did that happen? And same way it happens with all couples. You can grow apart. And you do change. I mean, I, you know, they're just showing old episodes now of EastEnders from 20 years ago. And I caught a couple the other day. And funny enough, it's the, the episodes where Alfie first turns up. And me and Christy look at that going, oh, my God. I wish my head was where it is now back then. Well, that's exactly what I was going to ask you. If your head yeah. was where it is now back then, would you have played things differently? Oh, most definitely. Oh, and I'll tell you what else, Kate, and I've learned. I, you know, it's to, you've got, I've got to learn to let go now. In the height of the whole Alfie mania, listen, and I know it's easy to joke about, and I do joke about it, but back when Alfie was first on screen in 2002, we were getting like 14 million viewers, uh, the whole cat and Alfie phenomenon. There was times where I was getting police security guards, you know, police escorts to clubs. and You know, I didn't pay for anything. It was just mad. And orders of writers. The directors, producers, all these people that jumped on my coattails and made promises. And I believed them. Oh, Shane, we're going to work together. Oh, God, look at you now winning two BAFTAs. Oh, Shane, oh, come on, bring it. Oh, come and meet me for lunch. I've got great ideas. Da, da, da. And we're back to Hills and Troughs again. 
And then I left EastEnders. And then your kind of fame or, or your success slightly wanes. And the 20 years later, all these writers, producers, and directors don't take my calling over the last few years. They kind of go missing. There's a few famous directors who are now famous and producers and writers that have since gone on to great things, great things. And I'm talking in America and all that. I've dropped emails to no reply. Now, 10 years ago, I'd have been pulling my hair out of it. Ah, you fine. You, you used me. You jumped on my coattails when you needed. I, I opened these doors for you when you hired it. And now that's my industry. That's how it works. When it's great, it's great. When it's shit, it really is shit. Mm. But you've got to know that. And once you know that, this is what it's like. And the other thing, in the last 10 years, I think it will happen when I hit 50, I've learned to separate my personal life from the business I'm in. I really, I listen, you can look around here. There's nothing in here, in this room or in the house, that says I'm in showbiz. I've got no awards. I gave them all to charity. I've got no accolades on the wall. All these are things I've collected over the years. They're toys. I, that's what I do. I collect these toys. But there's nothing in the house that says I'm Shane Ritchie. Mm. Going back to, you know, when you were saying, well, you're the first manager, obviously, w- with Colleen, you know, which is a bit awkward for me to be talking about, as I'm sure it is with you. But um, if you just think about a sort of young relationship and a later relationship, and you were saying you had to pay the bills, you had to pay the bills. But in reality, I guess if we're all honest, in our 20s and you had worked very hard to get out of a fairly shit um, childhood situation, of course you're going to want to exploit that talent that you've got. You know, you're going to want to make that name for yourself. Whereas I guess if you'd been prioritising the marriage, you would have got, I don't know, a job in the local council round the corner that would have paid the bills to keep everything together. But you pursued your dream. And I'm I'm not in any way judging you for that, Shane, because I think that is a very familiar story. Whereas when you're in your second relationship later on, you've maybe had that benefit of experience. You've thought, you know what? It's not a price I'm prepared to pay. You know what, okay? I never, ever thought I was pursuing a dream. I mean, I always thought fame was a bonus to what, to, you know, it, it, I always say to anybody who asks my advice, never confuse fame with success. When I worked on the holiday camp, within that holiday park that maybe held 2,000 people, I was famous. Hmm. I couldn't walk around the holiday park without signing autographs, having pictures taken, hmm. and I had my own chalet. And then what happened, when I became famous uh, in the UK, all that happened was the Holiday Park got bigger and I had a nicer chalet. So I was never aware of the whole same thing. When people say to me, how do you feel about when people stop me and ask me for an autograph or a photo? I'll get worried when they stop asking me because from the age of 15, that's all I've ever known is signing an autograph or having a picture taken. Now, that might be a holiday maker that's been on holiday at Pontins for two weeks. Or, Shay, we love you. Oh, the way you did Glamorous Grand or the, we love when you did Donkey Derby or you know, the competitions or when I called bingo. Because when I did bingo at Pontus, it wasn't, it was like something like, what, 10 years later, I ended up hosting a bingo show on ITV called Lucky Numbers. And everybody was going, oh, this is the new big thing, Shane Richie, the new big Friday night show. And I was like, oh my God, this is so weird. Why are people getting excited? I was doing this when I was 15. <laughs> and I think that came across as being smug. I watched some episodes now, they show them on YouTube. And there's me in my late 20s calling you know, and I was up against the likes of people like Barrymore, Chris Tarrant, and Noel Edmonds. And here's this guy in his late 20s 
hosting a bingo show on Friday night television. But we're full of confidence. But that wasn't confident. It was just me going, well, this, this is so easy. And it was never something on my agenda to host a bingo show. And it's like when I hosted my own Saturday night show, the Shane Ritchie experience, hosting a wedding thing. That was the stuff I was doing at holiday camps, week in, week out for years. So the whole fame thing never interested me. It was just going, right, what's going to give me butterflies? What excites me now? You know, and, 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 I, and I think still that, I love chasing the butterflies. When I went and did, everyone was talking about Jamie. Everybody was saying to me, what are you doing, Shane? And Christy was saying, I've been asked to play a drag queen in the West End. They went, no. And I went, yeah, so I'm going to go and play a drag queen in the West End. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Kate, I couldn't sleep. And I remember being at the side of the wings of the Apollo Theatre in the West End. There's what, 1,200 people in the audience. And this whole pack of people come and see the bloke's playing the afternoon. It's playing this gay guy from Sheffield whose alter ego is a drag queen. And I remember standing in the wings. I was under-rehearsed and that pain in your chest. I goes, I'm going to pass out. And I nearly run for the stage door because I thought, I'm not, I'm not sure I can do this. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. And I went, and that is the best feeling. And for me, that's what I love about my industry. Do you yeah. think I'll feel like that after The Great Gatsby? <laughs> <laughs> she, she's doing a, a theatre. I'm an drum. Are you doing Andrew? Are you doing the Great yeah. Gatsby? I only just joined it in November or something like that. Yeah, why, did, not, why did you join? Oh, no, actually, just one of these things that I thought. Oh, Chasing quite, butterflies. Quite fancy doing that now that I've retired. I'm sort of ticking things off the list. But I'm a drunk. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a but drunk you're, standing the, you're standing in the wings the night of your very first performance and you'll have that feeling. Yeah, I'm sure I will. I'll be vomiting in the corner, like you yeah. say, or feeling like, yeah. Yeah, and then when yeah. you come off stage, you're going to be so elated. Them endorphins kick in. You go, oh, I want to do it again. I see Shane Ritchie was right. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. So what about from a personal point of view then, Shane? Uh-huh. Are you, what moves, what motivates you now? Seeing what my kids want to do. You know, I've got Mackenzie now, my 70-year-old, who's going to come and do a work experience at EastEnders. I don't know what my daughters are going to do. Being at home, sometimes wild horses have to drag me out of the house now. I'm loving being back in EastEnders. I love seeing new actors come in and watching them sweat the small stuff and watching them lose their shit. (laughs) I, (laughs) I enjoy being around Jesse again plays cat we've not seen each other for a while so you know and just revisiting old haunts where them ghosts are not there and why they were even there in the first place i probably put them there unintentionally or intentionally and i was a dickhead for putting them there so it's just you know i have no intention of jumping out of airplanes i'm not there yet i've I've already driven a harley davidson across america i've not done broadway I'd love to go and do something on Broadway in a musical. I'd love to do another musical in the West End. I'm owed another album to write another album. Not bothered if it happens or not. Now, there was a time four or five years ago, I need to do another album. I tell you what, I think the lockdown did me a lot of good. Yeah? Yeah, it forced me. Christy always says it. It forced me to stop working because I was constantly working. And then everything stopped for all of us. And for the first couple of months, I thought, oh, this is tough, I was pulling the air out. And then when you realise no one else is working and it's the first time in my 42-year career that the decision was taken out of my hands and it felt great. 
it felt great. And then when we did come back, it was like, wow, I don't have to keep working. I can pick and choose. And are you a different dad and a different husband from first time around? Yeah, I think I'm a lot more boring now. I'm uh, a lot more predictable. Like I said, I, I never thought I'd get upset when it rained, which meant I couldn't cut the grass. <laughs> just, do you know, it's just little things like that. Like this morning, I got up and I went, right, I'm going to spend all day cutting the grass. started to rain. I was gutted. I was, I was absolutely <laughs> gutted. And that's where my head's at now, you know. I, I, you know, EastEnders, I'm, I'm waiting for scripts to come in. I think I'm filming this week. Gone are the days where I'd be rushing to look at the scripts. When the scripts come in, I'll, I'll have a look at them. What's we'll Alfie up to now? There's talk of maybe something happening next year, you know, because EastEnders, you know, you're, you're, you're contracted yearly. They may want to keep me on. They may not, but I won't lose sleep thinking about it. Do you feel more at peace with yourself? Most definitely. Because once again, Doing this and seeing that behind you had to be 60. I'm once again reminded that the path in front of me ain't mm. as long as the one behind. Mm. So I just I've got to try. To, I can't bear looking at that. Uh, That's funny, isn't it? Uh, and um, I, I moisturize much more. <laughs> oh, I, well, wow. yeah, too much information. I know. I moisturize. I, I love putting on a face pack. I've, I'm now getting slowly into meditation. I'm thinking of taking up yoga. Just little God, like Sheen was bringing back the real Sheen. Richie, what's I know, happened? I just, I, you know, I'll, I'll give it a try. You know, uh, it, it does feel a little bit tough getting out of bed in the morning. Maybe that's just in my mind. I mean, we go, I'm normally I'm up at 5.30 in the morning to get to work for 7 o'clock to beat the traffic on the M25. So... Christy's not a night bird. She's happy to go to bed and watch Ancient Aliens at 10 o'clock at night. Uh, I like to talk some shit. Um, and, yeah, and just keeping tabs on my kids. You know, Shane's doing well now. He's married. Mm. I think they're trying for the family. Jake, like I said, I was with him. He's still a great songwriter. He's on the verge of greatness. And now just, you know, mm. trying to guide my attitude. And despite all the, I mean, obviously um, the breakup of your marriage with Colleen and ups and downs mm -hmm. over the years, et cetera, you're all still on speaking terms, aren't you? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, all the time. Yeah. Um, I think last time we all got together was Shane's uh, wedding, Shane Jr.'s, where Christine and Colleen went out, had a, a little chat. I think it was to talk about my address sense. And, you know, Christy and Shane and Jake, talk all the time uh occasionally if i can't get in touch with shane or jake i'll ring colleen and ask about the boys and then we'll end up talking about kids so carrying all them demons that i used to carry all their angst that's gone and i think colleen feels the same way as well you know it's gone yeah yeah both moved on and um, listen, quick game of Big Six, though, bingo. And then oh, we will what is let this? you go. We're playing bingo. Which, I know, bingo. bingo back, yeah, lucky numbers. Bring back memories for you. Welcome to <laughs> Lucky Numbers. Give us a number between one and 60. Five. You lose. Take your clothes off. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to go, oh, 59. What do you most enjoy doing? Dressing up glam or jeans and t shirt? Oh, I'm a jeans. And t-shirt now. Well, I've got funny enough. Christy will go out and buy my clothes. Oh, is that right? 
yeah, uh, Christmas, I just, what, what can we get you? Uh, just get me Zara vouchers or Super Dry. I've got the Soap Awards coming up, and I'm already panicking what I'm going to wear. So it's just going to be a suit. Christian, sort that out for me. But because all I'm doing is backwards and forwards to work, I'm in joggers because I'm sitting in the car most of the mm-hmm. time. And people buy me Larry shirts. I can't wear Larry shirts. I love a Larry shirt, but... Alfie What's wears a Larry lady shirts. shirt? Is that a floaty shirt? No, Larry. Yeah. You know, yeah, like the Larry ones that Alfie wears. But sadly, I can't wear. I wear one out. Go. Oh, are they filming around here, Alfie? Oh, son. <laughs> God, right. <laughs> okay, fire another number over. Eleven. Is blood really thicker than water? Yeah, I think so. I think family's really important. I think it's, sometimes it's the only thing, and if, I think friends are a close second. Listen, Shane, listen, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. I know you're uh, doing you're a lot welcome. of podcasts. So um, it's been really good speaking to you. It really has. Thank you, ladies. Nice meeting you. Thank you. <laughs> That's it for this week. Keep those emails coming. We love them. Send them to podcast at htb60.com. If you'd like to come and see us at the Edinburgh Festival in Fringe in August, you can find tickets on the official website. Next week, we're joined by swimming legend Sharon Davis. Sharon Davis.